0: Welcome to our teaching section of this service this week. My name is Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's and I'm going to be reflecting with you on the passage we've just read. As you've heard, this is the last in our series on Paul's letter to the Colossians and we're wrapping up our look through this letter and the theme of renewal and what Paul says about uh, what renewal means for Christians and we've seen how Paul uses this letter to Firstly, give the Colossians a big picture of their faith and the plan that God has for the renewal of all creation through Jesus Christ, and then to apply that to the daily lives of Christian people, both in their personal character, in their wider relationships, in the community that they create, and the way that they relate to the world outside them. So today we're coming to the last section of this letter. Uh, In chapter 4, verses 7 to 18, this is, as you can tell from reading it, it's the farewell section of the letter, which was a common thing to have in letters of the day as well as uh, our own day. And Paul here speaks to a number of people in the church with personal messages that he wants to bring to them. What's uncommon about this letter in comparison with uh, other letters of a similar kind during this period is, that, is the number of people that Paul mentions and the number of names that he draws in. And so it's quite clear that Paul is really keen, as he closes this letter to the Colossians, to speak broadly and personally to as, as many people as possible about his message to them. And we can see him drawing in and trying to cement the bond that he has with all these different people, the members of the church in Colossae, members of his ministry team, his friends and the wider church. And this is actually, as we, I think we, we will see, a practical application of his message that God is renewing all things by pointing out the way that for particular people and particular communities that Paul knows, Jesus' life has been active and can be seen in their renewal. So I think it's an encouraging, it's a a warm-hearted part of this letter. It's a great way to finish this uh, series as we think about how does Jesus actually renew the lives of individual people and real human communities like our own? So we can see here there's a number of people that Paul refers to, so let me just name them and think about the different groups of people that Paul is talking about. Firstly, he sends greetings from his own friends uh, to the people in Colossae, so he mentions the messengers who were going to be taking the letter to them, uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, and we'll think more about Onesimus in a moment. He also sends greetings from Fellow prisoners, Paul was in jail at the time, and so he's writing to them from that experience, and there are other Christians with him or those who are his uh, colleagues or, fellow, or people he has fellowship with during that time. So he mentions Aristarchus, we can see. He mentions Mark, possibly the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, not sure. Uh, he mentions a man named Jesus who they tend to call Justice because Jesus is a confusing name to have in the early Christian community. He uh, commends to them Epaphras, who is obviously someone well known to them, someone who was part of setting up and leading the church in Colossae, one of Paul's great friends, and a man who prays and has great concern for their church. He also mentions other friends that he knows that would like to greet them, Luke, the physician, and who we believe is probably the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and also a man named Demas. And so Paul then mentions the people that he's writing to, the church in Colossae. We can see he mentions the church in Laodicea, who was uh, nearby. Uh, he's also written a letter to them, which he'd like the church in Colossae to read. Uh, it's possible that this letter uh, to the Laodiceans is the same letter as the letter we call uh, Ephesians in the New Testament. But we're not sure about that. But anyway, Paul is concerned that there's a number of churches in the area that they should uh, have in their hearts and prayers. and. The church in Laodicea also comes up later in the New Testament because it's one of the churches to which uh, Jesus has a message for uh, when he gives to John in the book of Revelation later on. So Paul is writing specifically, we see, to uh, a lady named Nympha in the church that meets in her house. In those days, churches didn't meet in buildings generally. Uh, They met in the homes of the wealthier members of their congregation, which would be a large place for them to gather. So Nympha has the church meeting in her house, and Paul wants to greet all of those who meet with her. He also specifically has a word for a man named Archippus, and there's a tantalising message here where Paul reminds Archippus or encourages him to do the job that Paul has entrusted with him to do. So he says to Archippus in verse 17, See to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I'd really like to know what Archippus was supposed to do, and I'll try and ask him one day when I see him, but uh, he's specifically singled out as someone Paul has a heart for and who has a job to do. And so I think overall this gives us a real picture of this community in the early church, of those who were Paul's friends, people he worked with, people in Colossae and the churches around them. And the image that he gives me as I read it is of this community of people who are bound together, not by external factors in their lives or their inherited traits, but by this new life that Jesus has given them, this new community that has been created around Jesus' gospel and the transformation that it's been brought, has been brought into their lives. I mention this because this is actually the continuing vision of the church throughout the New Testament, and it's the vision of the church that we take up today in, as a church here at St. Mark's. Our vision as a church is, we believe, to become a community of transformation. And this is the, where we get it from, the idea that God is calling groups of people together around Jesus Christ to show his love to the world. So we can see here that Paul is talking to this community of people who have been brought together through Jesus Christ. And so we can see here that paul is actually writing and this letter is including references to all these different people who are part of this renewed community people who are brought together across barriers so jews and gentiles being brought together and also uh, slaves and free people being brought together in this one community and that brings up a really interesting side point to this uh, ending section of colossians now uh, back in the day, before Netflix came around, there was this uh, thing called DVDs, which we used to use to watch TV and movies on. Some of you might be familiar with it or remember it from the Dark Ages. Uh, now, on DVDs, they often had bonus material, which were uh, extra documentaries, deleted scenes and that sort of things that you could click through and have a look at. And Colossians actually comes bundled up with something of a bonus material. Uh, selection. Uh, There's a letter called Philemon which is actually later on in the New Testament if you look forward a little bit which we believe was bundled up in in a parcel of letters with uh, Colossians and it's a personal letter written to a, a member of the church in Colossae a man named Philemon and Paul is actually sending it with Onesimus because Onesimus was a runaway slave from the household of Philemon. And Onesimus has encountered Paul at some point and become a Christian. And Paul is encouraging him now to go back home to Colossae and to uh, re-enter his life in the household of Philemon. But Paul writes to Philemon to encourage him to accept Onesimus, not back as a slave, but as a fellow Christian. And it's worth a read, that letter, it's very short. And it's a very heartwarming uh, example of this transformed life and the renewed life of the Christian community. So I'd encourage you to look into the backstory of Philemon and Onesimus, which is under the surface of this uh, little bit of the letter that we're reading today. So Paul includes all these people we've seen. He names them specifically. He gives them words of encouragement, particular messages. What's the point of doing this, apart from ending the letter on a nice note? Well, I think for us, it reminds us and shows us, in a more concrete way than the letter has so far, is that the people Paul is talking to and the people that Jesus is inviting into his renewed community are real people, ordinary people like us. Some of them not very reputable people. Some of them were slaves. Some of them were people from uh, fairly unsavoury backgrounds. And some of them were people who uh, didn't actually uh, present very well as Christians at all. And we hear of Demas later on in the New Testament, left Paul and didn't hold out, so that's a bit of a shame. But what Paul does is it shows that these are actually real uh, Christian people. And so the church back in the first century was not different to the church today. Uh, Those people were real people like us with the same challenges, the same weaknesses, but also the same opportunities uh, to grow into maturity as followers of Jesus. And so I think that it offers us an encouragement today as we look at this letter. But also a challenge, you know, so how do we take up, as those uh, Christian people did in Colossae, this challenge to be renewed in Jesus and to work that out amongst the messiness of our lives. And I know that for many of us today um, in this week as I'm preparing this sermon, we're just looking forward in very narrow vision for the next couple of months and thinking, how can I get through this? But this is life and this is actually one of the things that Jesus is inviting us to give to him. All our experiences, all our hopes, and the way we act in every situation. All those things can be brought into renewal, as it was in the days of the Colossians. So one thing that we might ask us is, well, what is there now God calling us to be renewed in today, this week? Uh, I would think of it perhaps under the, uh, under the name of Archippus. So we saw that Archippus has his special task that Paul gives him. See to it that you complete the ministry that you've been given in the Lord. Maybe ask yourself today, well, if Paul were writing to me like he were to Archibus and he were to say something like that to me, what would he be referring to? What is the task that's been given to me today to complete as a Christian? What is my special ministry or my special challenge for this time? And you'll probably be able to know that for yourself or to discuss with others. What is God putting on your heart to do and to grow at the moment? So I'd like to finish our series now, and I hope that it's been something that's been helpful for you as we reflected on renewal. We're now in this time of spring. As I look out here, I can see the sun and the trees are growing and the grass is beginning uh, to rise up and flowers are coming out. So this is a time of renewal. It's an appropriate time to finish this message and to think about what it means for us. And I think as we enter into spring, we can take it as a sign, really, and a symbol of God's bigger plan, which is the final renewal. Of all things, uh, forever. You know, and I think this is helpful for us to, uh, to remember and to place our hope in. You know, we have been through a long, dark winter. Here, we now have a roadmap of you know the next few months, the renewal of Victoria, and what that might look like. But we see here in Colossians that God has actually given us here a roadmap for the renewal of the whole world. It begins with Jesus, and it spreads out to those who follow Him and take part in his plan, and gradually it will spread to the entire cosmos. So the encouragement as we finish and uh, read, reading Colossians is to take up our part in this plan and to follow Jesus in his way of renewal. As Paul says in chapter 2, verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding, in thanksgiving. So I want you to uh, take that word away with you as an encouragement to reflect on and to ask God to be establishing you and building you up and renewing you in your faith in Jesus. I'd like to finish with a personal word, as Paul does. In verse 18, Paul takes the letter from his scribe and writes, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And I think over the last six months, I've come to understand a lot more deeply what Paul feels as he writes those words. What it means to be separated from his friends, to not to be able to be with the people he cares about, that he wants to encourage in their faith in Jesus. Um, There are those who are watching this, people who I haven't seen or heard from since March the 8th this year. People who I do have a concern for and would love to see you grow and continue to grow in your faith in Jesus. There are those of you who have joined us in this time who I've never met, and I can only see uh, in the future. And so, like Paul, I want to send my greetings to all of you. And you know, I hope that, like me, you do long to share again in the fellowship that God brings us in Jesus, and the renewal that he will in the future. And I hope that time's not far away. So I pray that we will find our way back together during this springtime and to be renewed in our experience as a community of transformation. So as Paul says to his uh, church, I say to you, grace be with you.